Here's Foligno trying to chip it in for Matthews. He scores! What a goal! Holy Mackinac! He has tremendous hands! And a bouncing puck from Foligno is swatted into the goal for number 34. It's official, the Maple Leafs are off to the Stanley Cup playoffs after their 4-1 win against the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday night, improving to 5-2-0 on the season against their likely first-round opponent. It's time to break it all down here on Leafs Nation postgame, strictly in podcast form. Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic with you at the Golden Muzzy, at Gord Stelic on Twitter. Many thanks to producer Sam McKee for putting it all together. So Toronto Gord clinches a playoff spot, and I think next up is trying to clinch this North Division title. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, really, Nick, first things first, we can look ahead to the playoffs and being healthy and line combinations. But after what happened last year when they took a step backwards, it was really important. They had to get off to an appropriate start this year, set the table properly as far as the kind of team they wanted to be, the kind of season they wanted to have. And, you know, they really did that from the word go. And now they've got to, like last year, when the pause happened, they were still very much battling for a playoff spot and had lost some real, real critical matches. So the good part is they put that all behind them. They banked the points, and now the playoffs, we move forward to the playoffs. I know there's games still remaining to be played, but it's been a very successful regular season already for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And certainly a much different feel in this game here on this Wednesday night. Clearly, a, a you know, big number of players out for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, severe X factors in the playoffs. Uh, if they get there, which we likely think they will, and Carey Price, their number one goalie, Brendan Gallagher, their heart and soul. So it's tough to quantify what's this going to mean in the long scope of this season matchup between the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. But in this rendition, um, I, I think Toronto had a really, really strong first half of this game. I think they tapered off here in the second period. And in the third, uh, they shut the door. It was a rather dominant performance to build off those two against the Winnipeg Jets, wasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, just chatting before we came on with producer Sam McKee, we mentioned about, you know, a statement game, a beatdown, and it was all of that. But, yeah. again, let's keep perspective for the playoffs. The one of these two teams has had more playoff success. That's Montreal. They mm -hmm. had success in the bubble, right? And all these injuries and guys, does Brendan Gallagher come back? Do other guys come back? That's going to be key for them. Do they get the red-hot goaltending of Carey Price or Jake Allen? And, again, that's a different animal to be discussed down the road but right now yeah the Leafs were far and away the better team it was a depleted Montreal lineup which the Leafs did not capitalize uh, against Vancouver a couple of weeks ago and certainly they uh, they didn't uh, make any bones about it tonight it really is surreal to me that again we've run out of superlatives to describe Austin Matthews where every game we come out we watch we listen and we're like there's not something he can do that's different than what he's done before and then he scores his 35th goal of the season that was insane Gord uh, he's still got a lot of uh, runway left, but I think he's going to be the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf scorer of all time. Yeah. And that and that goal was one social media lit up, and it just showed about, first of all, the fact that he needs very little room, his excellent hand-eye coordination, his shot, his smarts, his anticipation. Like, like, like all that was embodied, that one particular goal. And, you know, he's missed a decent number of games. So to have that kind of lead he's put in the Rocket Rashard Trophy is phenomenal. And that, and that is exactly it. And that's exactly what we talk about the team. We talk about Austin Matthews. Mike Babcock won't be flying to his home in Arizona to talk about lack of ice time in a first round playoff series loss. Like, like it's this is the this is the stepping off moving forward point for all these guys. They've done it in the regular season. Gotta do it in the playoffs now. 
Yes, you're right. And easily forgettable about that loss to Columbus in the bubble is the fact that Austin Matthews was a monster in that series, despite losing that series, and more so the other guys that just didn't come to play or provide the offense that team needed to get past the Columbus Blue Jackets. And on that note, you talk about 35 for Matthews, 68 goals now in 92 regular season games under Sheldon Keefe. He's been money in the bank with Marner. And to that, um, you know, since the addition of Nick Foligno, now three points in three games, and he set up Matthews for a semi-breakaway as well in the first period, I think the chemistry is really starting to build with those three. How do you feel? Yeah, yeah, I really do. I think Nick, Nick Foligno uh, is that kind of player, except for practices and warm-ups. There's been some humor about him, you know, taking Matthews out into practice, trying to learn the drills and that. But uh, absolutely, well, like what a what an option. Hopefully Zach Hyman's healthy, so it gives you a lot of different kind of things you can do. And, you know, to get back to your point, you bring up Sheldon Keefe with Austin Matthews. Mike Babcock never gave him a said, hey, Buddy, you're going to play. You're going to play whatever. No, you're going to play the Babcock way. And Sheldon Keefe says, you're going to get a ton of minutes. And no, can't play Mitch Marner with Austin Matthews. And fans will go, I don't know. Why not? Why not? Well, Sheldon Keefe said, I know I know what happened a little bit under Babcock, but Sheldon Keefe said, hey, kind of makes a lot of sense, right? And uh, sure enough, two things you see paying off in dividends for both those guys. Is Adam Brooks scored seizing the moment? 11-26 in this game. He has three goals now in six games on the season. And Pierre Engvall, a healthy scratch in this game. Is this guy just a benefactor of seizing the moment at this point in time? Absolutely, Nick. And this is the one This is the one grading thing that will continue for Sheldon Keefe about that is, you know, he, he didn't have the depth. He flat out did not have the depth last year in the regular season, not in the playoffs. Has been, you know, hit and miss a little bit during this regular season. Pierre Engvall, right now, to your point, is kind of an odd guy out looking in. What is Alex Kerfoot? You know, that's my big question. What is he? And I'm not necessarily criticizing him. I'm just kind of saying there's not that. Uh, now, again, Nazem Kadri is a pretty strong number three center to have. But, I mean, like Alex Ker- Kerfoot, I'm sure, is one of those that he's trying to evaluate as well. And, and, and in Brooks' case, along with guys like Joe Thornton especially, but also Wayne Simmons, coming off the injury list and starting to reestablish a bit more that, you know, we got to find a role for them in the playoffs. And, you know, maybe it's not the 12. It could be 13, 14 players that you have one or two that are very fluid moving in or out. But to your point, there's going to be uh, two or three that are going to be, you know, and Gelchenik is one of those guys a little bit on that border too that will probably be on the press box and, and not part of that fluid rotation. Yeah, and I think Kerfoot and McKay have had some jump to their step tonight. Just, uh, you know, on that note as well with the internal competition, I think we're really starting to see it. And that's why I think it's always fair there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, especially when it comes to the vets, who I think have really started to play the last couple of games. And funny enough, they've been Maple Leafs' victory. Uh, Joe Thornton, his 1100th career assist, the seventh player to achieve that milestone. I think he's been really good as of late. And, you know, the mentioned line of Brooks, Thornton, and Spets have had some jam lately, Gord. Yeah, and let's uh, you mentioned two of the guys. So Joe Thornton is number seven all-time in assists in the National Hockey League after tonight. And uh, Jason Spets ties Rocket Richard for 99th overall in points like wow he's cracked the top 100 and he's tied Rocket Richard so those are, are those are great historical career milestones but yeah uh, the the future is now right now about trying to win a Stanley Cup and that and I Spence has been a pretty steady guy uh, all season long in Thornton and Simmons it's been a little bit more uneven and I just uh, I don't know if Joe Thornton's just about being healthy that's probably a big part of it but I, I I like the fact that he really he really has seemed to find his way what it what his role in the 2021 Toronto Maple Leafs is all about. 
And again, a lot of these guys they picked up on these one-year deals, vets or not, it's all about the Stanley Cup playoffs. And certainly that's the biggest story following this 4-1 win against the Montreal Canadiens. The Maple Leafs are headed to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And they're headed there with sort of a wounded power play. I guess a positive to grab from this game. The power play scores early on set the tone for this victory, Gord. Yeah, it's it's not the ridiculous drought that it was. It still is uh, is not what it should be. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take a positive in that. I'll take it a positive that there's been some power play goals of late, and it's been been a bit, bit better. And you just got you know that's the kind of thing that you uh, want. Whether it means fine tuning over the next regular season games, whatever you really want it to make sure it's going like it should in the playoffs. So a lot of this, I mean, it's not like you know it's not scratching clawing for a playoff spot, which really has been the Maple Leaf way for except for two seasons ago, you know, really has been that kind of way. This is this is one to see about, okay, guys, you know, you're on the top of the hill. You're you're the king of the hill. And let's see how you use this to prepare. So after two playoff rounds, you're still that you're still that team. And it'll be interesting to see how Sheldon Keith sort of juggles this because you don't want to be too relaxed, clearly heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs and guys still have a lot to play for, contracts among them, but you want to be riding a high clearly going into the playoffs, regardless of who your opponent is going to be. And likely it's going to be these very same Montreal Canadiens who they still have three more regular season games before they get to that first round matchup. I think you just want to trend in the right direction. That's why I think they have to utilize some of the guys out of the lineup and mix and match and keep guys going here. Yeah, and I think also, Nick, this second swoon was kind of what you didn't want to happen. I'm glad they stopped all that and, and had some of these statement games the last little while. But, you know, to your point, like last year against Columbus, when he put William Nylander at center, that was a desperate measure. He oh, was yeah. flat out of ideas, and that's not yeah. going to happen this year. He's got three goaltenders he can use instead of one. So if whoever is ordinary, you got other options. And certainly more so defense, you don't quite have that depth. But up front, you know, you got a lot of different variables. You know, whether it's a Nick Robertson, whether it, whether it's Brooks, whether it's whatever. I, I don't think you'll quite come to needing a Sabarin, but it's there if the series ever goes in that degree and it gets healthy again. You you, you got a lot of different things, and I I keep using the St. Louis Blues comparable that you know Craig Berube used like 15 different forwards in the 12 yep. spots in their run to the Stanley Cup. And obviously mark it down, like among Gordo's keys to victory going into that series, and it's very, very likely at this point in time, barring something crazy, that it's going to be Montreal and Toronto um, for the first time, clearly in a very, very long time, right? You know, over what, three decades or so? What is it, 79, Gord? Yeah, I, I was working part-time in the yeah. Leaf office, so the scouting report back then was watch out for Guy Lafleur and Yvonne Cordwaya and Steve <laughs> Schott and Serge Savard and Larry Robinson and Guy Lapointe and wow. Kendra, you know, and I don't know, Ken Dryden wasn't there, but anyway, on and on. <laughs> so, so it's a you're right, it's a it's a bit of a different type of matchup, but yeah, that was the last one, 1979, and before that was the Stanley Cup in 1967. And to that point, I was just going to say, like, special teams is going to be huge. We're going to talk a lot about Montreal, how that team can score shorthanded. We're going to talk about Toronto's power play going into the series. And I think, you know, as we move forward in this matchup, uh, you know, Montreal and Toronto, I just think the key is to not give Montreal hope, regardless of who's in that lineup. Now, they think they have a bit of a buzz going. Of course, a Cole Caulfield, who is now scoreless, pointless through two games, he's going to get going eventually. But they're a team who can feed off hope. And if Toronto gives them hope in, say, the first game, I think they're in trouble. But I think they know in that locker room they have the confidence, they have the goal scorers. You know, we wonder about the goaltending, but they, they feel okay with Jack Campbell clearly right now. You never know how Frederick Anderson gets into that conversation as well. If you're the Maple Leafs, you're feeling confident. I don't think you're going into this series worried about Montreal, and you shouldn't be, Gord. No, and, and act confident on the ice that way. Like, you know, Montreal... Yeah. 
played. They were the underdog and had a big series win in the summer. And that'll, you know, they've, they've got great depth on D and of course, excellent goaltending either way can make a difference. But, uh, you know, Jonathan Druin's not really a super factor. He played better in the bubble. I don't know if he's coming back or not. I feel for him, whatever the personal reasons are, but he's gone right now. Uh, Brendan Gallagher's huge. Brendan yeah. Gallagher, Zach Hyman, if one yes. team gets one of them back and the other team doesn't get their particular guy back, <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be a neat little advantage. But still, there's no reason, again, and we'll be doing all kinds of playoff coverage and playoff previews, but there's no reason this version of the Toronto Maple Leafs can't beat this version of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, rest assured, you out there listening will know everything about the Montreal Canadiens heading into that first-round matchup we think is likely to happen. Uh, you talk about the PK as well. It's another positive development. Special teams in general, again, is going to be a big story as we head to that series Gord, Toronto has killed nine of the last 10 off. They were two for two in this game. Yeah. And, and first of all, shorthand for the Montreal Canadians, they're there. They got a disproportionate number of their shorthanded goals. Like in the first 10 games yeah. of the season, it was, a, it was, it was incredible. And yeah. the Maple Leafs PK had been abysmal for a while, but it had been dwarfed by the ineptness of the power play. That's not really a positive to say that, you know, one kind of overshadowed the other. And the PKs got back on track, which is good to see without Zach Hyman there, because Zach Hyman, you know, is is as key a penalty killer as you have. I think they're really on to something, by the way, with this Marner and Felino pairing, which, uh, you know, almost every PK, they start together and they got some jump. Uh, the more I watch Nick Felino, and again, I watched him a lot, and we watched him a lot in Columbus. There's just so many intangibles he brings to the table. He always seems to be high. Like, he always seems to be in the right spot on the ice, especially with the big boys and Marner and Matthews. And when you can have the security of a, a guy like Felino, who's captain, who knows where to be, I mean, it, it's, it's a strong positive for those two to just go out there and do their thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and when I said the Leafs didn't need another Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, you always need those kind of guys. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. when you needed, you know, something different, and Nick Foligno provided just that 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 it that the Maple Leafs really needed. And one of the intangibles I know Elliot Friedman wrote about it in Thirty One Thoughts, and then he showed it uh, first intermission was the the whole PK and how he and, and maybe there's other players that do it too, whatever. But Nick Foligno, and he's a big guy, he's got a long reach that he changes his stick from his right hand to his left hand uh, mm -hmm. just to get maximum leverage in trying to deflect or block shots that way. I mean, I, I love, like I love watching players, and that's one you can't get on TV, but you sit and watch a game. I don't care whatever level it is. I love watching smart players. I like watching someone that whatever's going on, it could be as innocent, like, a, you know, inconsequential a play, but that particular individual is doing the smartest thing possible on the ice at that time. And, and, my, and, and Nick Felina was one of those guys. And again, it shouldn't be shocking that Matthews and Marner have been finding success with Nick Foligno because to that point, he is, uh, you know, along the oak, if you will, of a Zach Hyman, the way he opens up time and space, the way he plays sort of a physical brand and a chippy type brand, which you need. So I'm very curious once Hyman comes back, I think it's likely Hyman goes to the top line with Marner and Matthews, at least to start. And I think in a perfect world, they like to try Foligno with uh, John Tavares and Willie Nylander. But again, all positives across the board here for the Maple Leafs. Lastly, I think we just got to pump the Jets a bit on Rasmus Sandin. I know you've got a, a firm grip on this market, Gord. The praise for Sandin through a couple games is uh, hysterical in my world. I don't want to put pressure on the kid. I think he's been good. He played 18 minutes in this game. He's moving the puck. But I'm not ready to have that conversation just yet. If Zach Bogosian comes back, that Sandin's going to be there instead of Dermot. How do you feel about it? 
Yeah, you know, you think, unfortunately, way back when, the first upset by the Boston Bruins, remember how well Mark Fraser had played and mm. then he got hurt? He took that puck to the face. It was never the same. And my point, I mean, whether it's a kid or a veteran, you know, um, all you hope is you, you get a, a great playoff run. I mean, Luke Shen has kind of salvaged his career doing that in, in Tampa right yeah. now. But so, anyway, to get back to Rasmus Sandin, uh, you and I have, like, first of all, I, like like I was getting annoyed he wasn't played he, and he was out of the picture. I know he was hurt for a while. I get that. But it, it was almost like he was getting into Martin Marinson territory. And I kept thinking, wait a sec. You drafted this guy in the first round, okay? He seemed to be developing well enough last year in training camp okay he did not he did not burst onto the nhl but you know you got if, if you believe in these guys and you develop these guys and you know you got to see what they do and i if i have to say i took issue with anything about sheldon keith to me was a reluctance when sandine was healthy whenever that was to put him in the lineup now he goes in on the basis of injury yes he's not a norris trophy winner but can he play well enough in the playoffs i mean He's showing that. He's showing that he can play well enough to be a competent NHL defenseman. And the um, the Peter Forsberg, Yarmer Yager type bumps have been a bonus that the physicality people didn't expect, Nick. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that aspect of his game. Like he's a smaller type guy, but he uses his frame quite effectively. He had a big hit on Jake Evans in this game. And it's easy to forget like Rasmus Sandin, it seems like he's been around forever. He's just 21. He just turned 21 on March 7th. So a lot of racetrack uh, certainly ahead. He's a, he's a 2000 born, if you can believe it. And again, a really, really good development for the Maple Leafs because you need depth in the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you can't start, if somebody goes down, if Bogosian can't come back in time, there you go. You slot in a guy like Rasmus Sandin and you're laughing. Gord, as we set up a Thursday night on the back-to-back, a chance at redemption, I would say, for David Riddick. I think in general, I want to see something for the Maple Leafs, given whatever that was last week, the fact that Ottawa just has beaten down the Vancouver Canucks ever since. I want to see what the Maple Leafs have here in the back-to-back against Vancouver. Uh, I do too. And I, I saw, I mean, Travis Green was apoplectic behind the bench tonight. I mean, you know, it's like those those, those wins over the Maple Leafs under those ridiculous, uh, after coming back from so many weeks off circumstances, gave the Canucks hope. They still have a whack of games to make up, but um, but those kind of losses to Ottawa are, are killing them. And I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have, have to say, just like they did, time for another beatdown. Okay, on a team that they should have beaten down when they when they came back what a week ago Sunday. So no disrespect to the Vancouver Canucks, uh, they got a ridiculous end of the season. Uh, it ain't going to happen. Toronto Maple Leafs gave them a little little window there, but it looks like it's closed, and the Maple Leafs can slam it shut and lock it. And David Riddick, Gord, your thoughts on him as we wrap up here? I like him. One bad game, you know, one bad game. Jack Campbell had three bad games, and Riddick had one bad game. I, I liked that when he played against the Leafs for Calgary that time he had a real real strong game so yeah when I say bounce back that includes everybody it was weird it was it was almost like he got distracted in the second half it's like somebody had one of those little little lights that flash at airplanes you get arrested if you do that you know those laser lights or something it's like I don't know it's like the second half of the game somebody in an empty arena had that because he, he 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 just was he just was out of it and he was the first guy to acknowledge that he was out of it his last start I feel like I get arrested leaving my condo these days, Gord. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds like Freddie Anderson is on the mend, if you want to say that. But it's so crazy to me that next thing you know, it looks May 1st is around the corner coming up this weekend. There are seven games remaining, six following tomorrow night's game. So you run out of racetrack when it comes to try to find a way to get Freddie Anderson a game or two. Where do you stand? So, you know, hypothetically, Freddie Anderson says he's good to go, but the, the you know the, the regular season's over. He can't play a game. Who do you start in game one? 
Oh, if he can't play a game, okay, yeah. that's that's different. Then I start Jack Campbell. If yeah. he can play, say two games, I I, I think he's got to play two games and got to be half decent. Then you got a bit of a decision. I would I at that point I'd give the nod to Freddie just out of respect and loyalty. But the leash would be one game, you know, or the leash could be if he's horrible in the first period, you make the change that way that you have the depth you didn't have before. And I always like to bring up a couple years back, the Washington Capitals, we all forget, a lot of people do at least, that Philip Grubauer started that run because he was red hot in the uh, second half for the Capitals. And of course, it was Braden Holpe who finished it. And I think important to note too, Gord, as we wrap here on the podcast is the fact that we don't know the scheduling for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we know that three-game series to wrap up the season is coming that could be inconsequential involving uh, the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames, I believe. But Toronto's regular season is slated to end next Friday, or a couple Fridays, May 14th. Uh, So that could leave them some time until the playoffs starts, no? Yeah, yeah, and I don't, you know, um, I mean, there always is because... Nowadays, the season or the 82 game season ends on a Saturday. Nobody plays on the Sunday, really. And then, what do you start? The th- like, it just seems like a long four days the Wednesday, of practice right? or whatever. Yeah. Well, the Thursday, whatever it could be. Yeah. Wednesday could be Thursday, and that. Now, yeah, this one would be uh, a lot longer. And again, you know, part of it is adapting in COVID world. Who's adapting the best? No fans in the building. Uh, the the bubble when you're on the road. So about trying to keep mentally strong and you know not mentally fatigued and all these types of things. And this will be. You know, one more challenge about it having I, I don't like I don't like a prolonged number of days off, but uh, that's you know once once the game starts, at least you're out of excuses. But if you're down zero two, you you've dug yourself a bit of a hole. Well, there you have it, Gord. The Maple Leafs are off to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the most important statistic they held uh, Tyler Toffoli um, off the score sheet in this game. Well, and yeah, they held him <laughs> off the score sheet. The other thing we're not saying: can you believe the price of our playoff tickets? You know, that's the other thing we're not saying this year. Unbelievable, Gord. Uh, We'll talk tomorrow night, okay? Sounds good, Nick. All right, there you have it. That's Gord Stelic. The Maple Leafs clinch a playoff spot with this 4-1 victory against the Montreal Canadiens. They've won three in a row. We'll be back at things coming up on Thursday night as the Maple Leafs host the Vancouver Canucks. And again, back in podcast form. Many thanks to Sam McKee for Gord Stelic. I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for listening.